You are listening to NFT Talk Show, where we put the T in NFT. I am your host, Tony Payne, and if you have ever wanted to know anything and everything, including all the juicy deets about NFTs, you are in the right place. So buckle up, get ready, and let's go. Welcome to another episode of the NFT Talk Show podcast. I am Tony Payne. And yes, we are still, you know, I'm going to always talk one-on-one art till y'all get tired of me. <laughs> so yes, we are still talking one-on-one art in this episode. And with me today, I brought on a special guest to talk about finding success as a one-on-one artist in NFTs, because I think it is so important that we highlight the one-on-one artists in NFTs since all the Kevins want to take over. <laughs> Not hating on Kevin or anything. I am still doing my social commentary on Kevin, but you know, um, yeah, it's about the one-on-one artist right now. So yes, with me, I have Kat Russell. He is a mixed media collage who started in NFTs early last year, I think around January. He's going to tell us more about that. And we're going to be talking about finding success in NFTs and finding your happy, you know, um, what does success in NFTs mean to him? And I guess to me too, what does it mean to me? And you that are listening to us, what does success in NFTs mean to you? I want you to get into your Zen and get prepared and get ready to answer yourself as well. What does success in NFTs, what would it mean to you? So yes, um, welcome, Kat. How are you? And thank you so much for coming on the show today. Hey, thanks. I'm doing well. Um, yeah, just another another day in the life. Another another day, another NFT. <laughs> so um, you do, I'm, I'm going to, you know, pry you so much about this because I find collage um, art very interesting because um, it's like, you know, I feel like it just looks into the brain of the artist. Like, why these things? Why do you choose these things to put together? So you do collage art. What was um, the inspiration? Be- what was the inspiration for choosing to do collage art because you could have chosen anything, right? So what was the inspiration behind that? So uh, um, when I was first getting sober, uh, I was trying to figure out how do I replace five hours in my day? How do I replace seven hours in my day? And um, I have a very addictive personality and I I decided to kind of go back to art where I, I used to spend a lot of time before I picked up some bad habits. And uh, you know, initially I was playing around with paints, playing around with pens, trying to figure out, you know, where's, where do I fit in this equation? And really I, I would have these images in my head that I wanted to create. And then when I tried to put them on paper, they just weren't coming out right. Mm-hmm. And finally I was like, you know, I wish I could create this texture, but I don't have the skill set for it. And I was looking at magazines and I was like, that, that's the color I want to create on the paper. Why don't I steal that? And so initially <laughs> my collages were very much this idea of finding papers that I can almost treat like ink. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't about cutting out the asset. It was about cutting out the color and the texture and using that to create, uh, and almost paint, if you will. Got it. And um, you started in NFTs um, January 2021. So it's been literally just a little over a year, right? Yeah, I started creating NFTs back in January 2021, um, right around the time that I'd gotten sober. Uh, I was well aware of them prior to that. And I Mm -hmm. was having ideas about, you know, projects that could be done in this space. Um, I had pitched a um, a white paper about using NFTs at art schools to help with ensuring that artists who are creating early works aren't underselling themselves. And mm-hmm. if they are, they can still, you know, capture those royalties. Yeah. Uh, and I was writing medium articles and things about those topics even before I was actively in the space as an artist or a collector. Got it. 
So um, some of my listeners are probably new to NFTs and don't know what white paper is. Could you like explain it to them? <laughs> oh, yeah. So um, I, I've been in crypto since 2017. And uh, back during 2017, 2018, uh, there was this idea of a white paper is something that you write as uh, someplace in between a business pitch and mm-hmm. uh, a primer for potential ideas of successful projects in the space. Got it. Okay. So did y'all hear that? If you want to write a pitch for your project or your art and considering you're a one-on-one artist, not an actual project. Um, I think a lot of artists don't take advantage of that. Um, I think, you know, I'm big on branding and, um, setting goals and things like that. And I have noticed in the NFT space, a lot of artists just kind of, um, see themselves as, okay, I'm just going to put this work out, but not really seeing themselves as a brand. Um, how important do you think it is to see yourself as a brand? I think it really depends on what you want to achieve in the space. Mm-hmm. Um, there is definitely a place in this space for people as brands, uh, for better and for worse. This mm-hmm. idea that, you know, everything that encompasses Cat Russell uh, and that aspect of my life Mm-hmm. is put out there in the open for people to look at, pick at, uh, and digest. And if you're doing it in that route, then you should consider yourself in many ways a brand and treat it as such, which means you need to set up deadlines and, you know, act like it's work. It is work. It is work, um, yeah. It's work that I personally love doing and it beats my old job. Uh, but if I want to take this space and my art serious, then I want to treat everything that I'm putting out as a brand, which means setting up all of the inconvenient work that comes with it. You know, making art is a lot of fun. Selling mm-hmm. art, not so not much. Not so much. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> I'm telling you, like, sometimes I go... Oh, if you're listening to my podcast, go buy my work. (laughs) Yeah, selling art is, I think the fun part for me as well is creating the art and um, marketing it, especially when you're trying to market yourself. Marketing yourself is probably one of the hardest things ever. Like it's easier to market somebody else, but marketing self is like, oh my goodness, like pull some teeth already. Um, I guess I would disagree with that. Really? Yeah, you know, marketing a piece of art for me is difficult because I don't like feeling like a salesman and telling yeah. people buy my art. Yeah, but yeah. marketing self, I've always kind of thought about that as coming back to this idea of storytelling. Yeah, and um, just giving people a personal connection. Uh, you know, I, I look a lot to Joey the photographer and how. He can have an amazing photograph, but then when you scroll through his Twitter and you read the backstory behind it, mm-hmm. it's such a gripping story that it changes your perspective of his art afterwards. And when people are able to, I guess, embrace this idea that you can share your vulnerabilities, you can share the boring parts of your life and the exciting parts of your life because people resonate with those, mm-hmm. um, then Branding yourself isn't too hard because it's not necessarily some caricature I'm trying to put out there. It's just, hey, this is who I am. Let me tell you some stories. Stories. How do you, how important do you think it is to, I'm probably guilty of this, of not sharing my story because I'm like, I, you know, one, I feel, okay, it's going to be boring. Nobody cares. <laughs> and two, um, some of them will come from a place where I'm like, you know what? I don't feel like revisiting this right now or ever um, until I'm in the mood to actually, you know, maybe something hits my spirit and um, I decide, oh, okay, I'm going to talk about this. So how important do you think it is to um, share your story as um, an, an, an artist, just even an artist generally? Well, uh, I think that really comes down to you personally. And if sharing those stories about who makes you you mm-hmm. and what made you you uh, reminds you to be a better person, uh, for me, it does. Yeah. Uh, I think that when I reflect on past mistakes, 
it ensures that uh, no, I don't remake those same mistakes. So mm-hmm. I really don't mind going in and sharing those things because I think that uh, contemplating what you've done wrong in the past is usually a good thing. Yeah. Well, it can be. <laughs> it can. And then I guess also depends on what it is, right? If it's something that, you know, um, you're able to um, look back on and reflect on and move on from, then you're right. It could be. Um, but in terms of my, like, you know, in terms of my own um, art, I, I find it very difficult to, you know, I see people get in spaces and they're like, oh, this, this, that. And I find it very, once in a while, I'll do that. Um, but I find it very, very difficult to kind of just, you know, on the Twitter timeline, I'll be tempted to go delete the. <laughs> I'll be tempted to go delete the tweet. <laughs> but yeah, so how do you approach, um, you know, the NFT um, space? How do you approach the NFT space as an artist? Um, and when I say how do you approach the NFT space, I know NFTs move super fast, like literally move super fast. How do you manage your day? How do you plan out your time for NFTs? Well, um, I, I have the luxury of working in the NFT space too. So that helps a lot Okay, uh, because my job is doing community management for block party. And a lot of that is just artist support and finding out what artists need. Um, nice. Hanging out with artists that I'm friends with or wish I was friends with. Or <laughs> me. Um, so, so that's a nice benefit that I get to enjoy, which helps me stay on top of this fast moving place. Um, but for the most part, you know, I don't necessarily worry about the NFT space as much as worry about ensuring that every day I am productive. That is smart. I think that, you know, if every day you're productive in some way, overall, long term, you're going to find success because that's 365 things at least you've been productive on in a year towards, you know, furthering your brand, whatever it may be. Do you ever have days, though, where you're like, I feel like I'm not, you know, nothing's moving? Do you ever have those days? I've been working on this project called Other Worlds, and I started it almost six months ago. Oh, wow. And the goal was to create 100 pieces that were all one of ones, and it's dropping later this month. Uh, And when I was doing it, um, many times there'd be days where I'd sit down after work and be like, all right, time to make art. I'm so tired. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm not feeling it. And to me, the response that I had to tell myself is too bad. Make it, uh, literally sit and make art for four hours. And then as soon as you're done, look at it and say, wow, that's crap. And throw it in the trash. (laughs) Do you do that? Productive. Um, it doesn't feel productive in the moment, but when you really think about it, it is, you're putting your hours in practicing your craft, you're practicing getting into flow state, whether you want to or not. Yeah. And a lot of times when you're in flow state, you'll still start generating ideas for future pieces. Do you ever throw stuff in the trash for real though? Yeah. Oh gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I do. Um, you know, because when I'm doing that style of practice work, mm-hmm. not every day's is going to be good, but every day I want to try to create. Um, yeah. So even if I go into it in a terrible mood and I'm just creating, just really going through the motions and the whole time I can tell it's garbage, that's okay. Uh, they, they can't all be bangers. That's true. Yeah. I know a lot of um, artists in the NFT space, I see it, you know, they'll go, I mean, again, it still, you know, makes me wonder, like, what do people um, quantify as success? Like a lot of artists will go, oh, I haven't made a sale. Oh, I haven't done this. Um, and I'm like, my approach is a little different um, because I think more along the lines of, um, you know, building out. Like, I think more along the lines of, I just want my brand to be solid (laughs) and then I'll worry about, I haven't, um, I haven't made a sale or I haven't done this or I haven't done that. Um, 
But yeah, so, you know, in the NFT space, do you ever have those moments where you're like, oh, wow, it's been, you know, have you ever have, have you ever had a moment where you gone like weeks and months without a sale and it kind of made you worry a little bit? Well, I mean, the past six months I've been working on one project and not releasing art to sell. So, okay. Uh, yeah. That, that's a pretty long stretch of time uh, for it. But I think that, you know, it's worth it. Yeah. It's not like I'm exiting the space completely. It's just I'm working on stuff that's outside the realm of sales. Uh, before that, when I was doing the make a one of one, release the one of one, sell yeah. the one of one game, uh, it would ebb and flow. It's very much the you get the right retweet, you make the sale. That's if nobody true. can see your art, nobody's going to buy it. You're right. Um, and that's life. Uh, you know, it does weigh on you at times. And I'm one of those people that I'll put out a piece of art and be like, this is the greatest ever. And then <laughs> no it doesn't sell. And I'm like, I'm a failure. That was good. Oh, God. <laughs> I have seen a meme like that. I, I had retweeted a meme like that once where, um, you know, the character in the meme was like, oh, my art's the greatest. It's going to do so well. And then the next um, slide in the meme was like, my art is trash. <laughs> yeah. And that's just human nature, though. I mean, we want to be validated and we want to feel successful. Uh, but that isn't the actuality of whether we are successful Very and whether true. our art is good or not. Um, you, you know, I constantly, because I, I also collect NFTs, and I, yeah. I constantly will look around and try to dig up stuff from 2018 to that just never sold. Never it's sold. Still really good. And I'll occasionally well, find these pieces that it's like sitting at point two or something. And it's been sitting for four years. And I'll fall in love with it and be like, how did this never sell? Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like the piece was bad. It's just that, you know, we just didn't see it. People didn't see it. You're right. It's like if you just list something on Amazon to sell it and don't promote it, it could be the greatest product in the world, but no one knows it exists. What's a good way to promote, though, do you think? I'm, I know a lot of people retweet, retweet. I'm not really, I'm not really, um, I don't believe in just retweeting, does it? I always joke and say, I don't even know if I've ever sold a piece on the timeline. <laughs> you know, I've probably just sold a piece from, you know, just trolling on the timeline and then somebody commented and they came to my page or something, not just directly, oh, buy my, you know, or this is what it is. Um, a lot of times it's just from some other action, you know. Um, and the, with me, I'm like 90% just want to have fun and then 10% want to, you know, it's there to see the link is in my bio. I, it exists. <laughs> but then a part of me also wants to... Um, have fun. So what do you think is a good way to get traction um, for your for your art? So on the collecting side, I can tell you what usually makes me collect a piece mm -hmm. is I'll find an artist, they post a really cool piece, mm -hmm. and I follow them. And then a week or two later, I'll be scrolling through Twitter doing the doom scroll. And I'll, <laughs> What's a doom I'll scroll? see like another piece by them. And I'll be like, Oh, wow, that one's also good. Mm -hmm. And that happens two or three times. And then I start saying to myself, you know, why don't I own a Charisma? Or why don't I own an Etane Krauss or whoever it is? A Tony Payne. <laughs> yeah, why like, don't you? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> um, but th that to me is the way that like I find myself usually buying art that I'm the happiest with is I follow an artist, they keep posting stuff that gets my attention. And finally, yeah. I'm like, how do I not own their stuff? Uh, so, so wait, I want to bust the myth real quick. You just said you follow an artist um, and they keep posting stuff. Are you liking or retweeting? Yes or no? Yes. Oh, you are? I have this theory. So here's my theory. Tell me if I'm wrong or right. So I have this theory that even if somebody does not like or retweet, they see it and just keep doing what you do because people see it and they may, they don't necessarily have to react to it, but they see it. Am I right or wrong? 
I don't disagree. Um, I, I think that liking and retweeting art that you like is just a very good courtesy to that artist, you know, commenting and telling them, yeah, Yo, this is fire. Like people need to hear that. Exactly. If that artist is sitting there and it's not selling and yeah. I don't have the spare cash to buy it, but I like it. Me just even commenting or DMing them and being like, dude, that last one you dropped is great. Oh, like, I hope that, I hope that more enjoy that. Yeah. I hope that more people like you. Cause I get a lot of um, artists that, you know, they do the whole, woe is me nobody i don't have engagement um nobody liked my tweet or my art and i'm just i try to tell them like it's not you people probably i mean i still think people see it even if they're not interacting with it and i'm always like you know some people just don't like and retweet doesn't mean they don't see you um i need more followers and i need this and i <laughs> i need that and i just you know i always try to tell them just keep doing what you do keep um you know, interacting on Twitter and wherever you interact, Discord or whatever, keep meeting people, keep knowing people. Eventually, you'll get a reaction out of somebody. Um, but that's a big issue, um, especially for newer people in the NFT space. Um, you know, they'll say, oh, nobody likes my work. I, you know, I'm it's one. slow build. Yeah, exactly, right? Exactly, exactly. You know, like... People need to remember that you look at X copy stuff right now and it's unattainable price wise. Yeah. If you look back on Twitter, like back in 2018, he was posting. I heard it was crickets back then. I have this NFT. I'll give it to anybody who wants it. Yeah. And it was taking four (laughs) months for it to sell out for free. Yeah. Yeah. I heard. Uh, And it's one of those things that, you know, you keep grinding and then, suddenly overnight you're a success and everybody will say wow this guy has just always been popular and they forget that no he put in four years of work and then he became popular and he didn't give up right yeah so because i've had artists go ahead sorry (laughs) oh no it's fine (laughs) (laughs) i've had artists that you know i've seen artists actually leave the nft space um you know, after a few months, there's no action, and then they leave. Um, I guess we'll see more of that, though. People give up, and I always, you know, I try to tell my listeners and even people that I know in the NFT space, don't give up. You just never know when your breakthrough will come, right? Um, you just got to keep, you know, pushing it. So your new project is coming out finally, right? <laughs> um, I had to emphasize the finally because six months is a long time in the NFT. That's like dinosaur years in the nft space isn't it (laughs) yeah it's you know it's been hard at times to watch the space grow and develop and just be you know working in the lab and you're like i just finished one and a half pieces (laughs) yeah (laughs) and trashed one so i only have half a piece left (laughs) so um yeah so it drops sometime this month right um, do you want to tell me, um, I know it's collage art, but I would love to hear the inspiration. Wait, wait, let me do the D-Gen move real quick. What's the mint price? <laughs> so it drops March 24th. The mint price is 0. 0.15. Oh, There's nice. 100 okay. pieces. And it does a blind mint on a custom contract on a custom website, just like all the big profile picture type D-Gen-y projects would. But okay. instead, you're blind minting a one of one, piece. a one of one piece. So you wouldn't, you are not going to know what you're getting. You're, you know, you're going to know once um, it mints, or are you doing a reveal? Uh, there's a post reveal after okay. it sells. Um, so I've leaked 24 of the hundred on Twitter so far. I was going to leak 25 of them before the drop, so that way people can see about a quarter of the project. And know what they're getting into, but still three-fourths of people will get that surprise of, this is what I minted. Would, yeah. So do you have any rares? They're all one-on-one, so <laughs> I, have to, I have to ask, do you have any rares in there? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I've been trying to take as many cues from the casino side of the NFT world. I know. Uh, so I've attached, you know, properties to them, but the properties are more just 
this piece uses comic book paper. This piece has uh, a it. male gender figure in it. Uh, things like that to kind of let the market decide what is and isn't rare and what is and isn't loved by the community. Um, the only piece that I actually set out to make quote unquote rare is there's, so all of the other worlds feature one person in them, Mm -hmm. uh, except for one and it has two people in it. Um, and it's a, uh, piece showcasing uh two people in like a lover's embrace um and i specifically wanted that theme to be extremely rare uh as that emotion actually is i've seen some of the leaked pieces i i I like a couple of them um i think well you know i was gonna say my two favorite but then i feel like maybe i might have others um I like the one with the wings um, and the mask. Um, and he looks, well, it's a, yeah, it is a he character. Looks like he is going to fly with the wings. Is that what it is? Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah. Um, so that piece, uh, I made it under this, I guess, idea about when we think of uh, people being chained, they're usually like chained to a ball. Mm -hmm. And it's like weighing them down. And I wanted to make a piece of somebody being chained to wings and uh, like basically being forced into success or forced to fly. But at the same time, they're still, you know, chained to that and being forced to do it and a prisoner of it. Got it. So um, I'm looking at the and all this is what made out of what paper? Um clippings or what kind of clippings did you use for this one uh for wings no for the whole piece i i I do spot like a landscape background um i spot flowers in in the eyes um i'm curious about the body um what did you use um to create the body i'm trying to remember uh so in my house i have a room where the entire floor is covered in books (laughs) <laughs> okay. Uh, I, so I think Other Worlds has about 600 to 700 magazines and books that are used to create it. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, it looks uh, like you cut it out of some skin tones, actually. Yeah, and I, I was just trying to remember which skin, like, what type of magazine I used for it. Um, I think those were mainly from 80s National Geographics. Oh, Okay. It's nice. I like it. And the mask. I like that too. Oh, I'm not saying I like it. Like people listening can see it. Well, I'm going to pin, uh, <laughs> I'm going to pin Kat's profile to the show notes so you can go look at what I'm all like. I like it. I like it. Like, you know, um, my listeners have been urging me to do video, um, podcast and I'm like, well, I need to get my glam squad together. <laughs> so maybe, but yeah, it would have been interesting to do a screen share, um, you know, of this so they could see it. Um, but yeah, so I will be posting, um, Kat's profile, um, on the show notes. So if you want to see his very incredible work, you can do that. I like this. So this one, this doesn't look like a clipping. This actually looks like like three D ish real. The man with the blue um almost looks like those blue men, <laughs> but not really. Um, you know the Vegas blue man. Yeah, like and he, he's of, kind of painted in a uh, I guess almost tribal, tribal way. Yeah, yeah, that one. Um, so is that from a clipping too, or you? Yeah, kinda... he's clipped out of a nineteen seventies penthouse magazine. Wow. Okay. It does not look like a clipping at all. Almost looks like it's actual, like you had him pose behind the background and you took the picture. I yeah. appreciate that. I've spent a lot of time with an X-Acto knife. Oh, okay. <laughs> the only time I use an X-Acto knife is when I'm eating strawberries. No, I'm kidding. Um, but yeah. Okay. Nice, nice, nice. So what are your goals for this collection? Well, the goal for this collection, um, a, a lot of it is I see this NFT space as having a very large divide. Mm-hmm. There is the art 
and there is the casino. And the yeah, tell me about it. That Gamble. they don't come from art background. They come from altcoins and crypto. Mm-hmm. And basically, it's no different than them pumping and dumping an altcoin. It's just this time the altcoin has is, the face of a monkey on it or is of yeah. a rock or is of a cat. Um, the art is very secondary to them. And that's not a bad thing. It's just, yeah. it's different than the art side. Um, and I see lots of artists feel so jaded by it because they don't understand that not all NFTs are art NFTs. There's the art, there's the casino, there's all these other things. Um, and so when you see an ape sell for 70 ETH and you're sitting there <laughs> trying to make your 0.1 ETH sale on something that took you a month. Yes. It's easy to be upset by that and correlate the two and say, well, how come that art's better? And the answer is that's not about the art. Yes. Um, so when I see those things, though, I, I know like going into the spaces of cool cats or of any of the projects, I hear people talking about like, oh, yours looks so clean. Yours looks real nice. And it's like they're ready to dip their toes into art. They are. They're looking at, you know, fiber art JPEGs or <laughs> I mean, cool, cool cats is not fiber art. Uh, yeah, no, it's not. Yeah. It is. But the idea is that, you know, these collectibles projects on a whole, they're looking at something that was made to be reproduced uh, with variables to it. And they're trying to decide, you know, which variable looks the nicest, looks the mm-hmm. coolest, resonates with them. And it's like all of those things that you're trying to decide on, you could be making those decisions about individual one-of-one arts that you do and don't like. And your conversations would be a lot more meaningful. You know, you'd be yeah. ending up saying, like, I like the art that he focuses on introspection. Or I like the art that she focuses on death. Um, which is a lot cooler than saying, I like the art with the party hat. I know, right? So trying to really bridge this gap and make an on-ramp for collectibles people to dip their toes into one of one. So that's why this project has blind mint, just like they're used to. Yeah. Why I chose to do a hundred. So we have a large enough one for the traditional community around it for mm-hmm. secondaries. Um, why I'm attaching property traits and taking the time to go through a hundred pieces and write down, this one has some black and white in it. This yeah, one has yeah. a nail in it. Um, that so is smart. Make, just making sure that for the person who is currently, you know, debating, do I buy another frog or whatever, or do I buy some one of one art and they're right on the fence? That person can say, Oh, well, this project looks cool because it's everything I'm used to. I'm exactly. used to it. I'm used to this. Uh, and making that on-ramp there so that hopefully afterwards they can start getting used to community discussions where it's not, hey, this party hat is fresh, but hey, tell me the backstory behind this art. Mm-hmm. Or discussing with each other why a piece resonates with them or why they want to get rid of their piece and buy a different one because they, that piece specifically doesn't resonate with them, uh, which is equally important in art. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I feel like screaming preach right now. <laughs> so that's really the goal of this project though, is that if we can get people from the other side of it, Mm-hmm. to start bringing money into the one-of-one one art world. I think that overall, the one-of-one one art world will benefit from it. And I think those people uh, personally will benefit from it because viewing art is a beneficial thing for people. Exactly. It allows them to uh, reflect on things that sometimes conversations alone can't bring up. And, um, you know, also... Uh, there's this side of me that is the collector investor altcoin flipper. That, <laughs> You're um, like, I'm guilty too. <laughs> I am guilty too, but I buy lots of one of one art. And I explain to my DGen friends that if you buy 50 artists art at 0.1 a pop, you've spent five ETH. 
Yeah. Wait three years. If any one of those 50 artists blow up, you're in the profit. Exactly. I, that's a huge, easy risk reward. Like, I mean, finding 50 pieces of art you like from 50 different artists shouldn't be too hard. Yeah. And the the likelihood that one of those 50 stay in this space and blows up is high. Exactly. And the chances of 101 art going to zero are slimmer. Like I see projects will come one day, they're like zero point, um, not even zero, but they're like point three ETH. And then the next thing you're like zero, 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 zero. Wait, 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 what happened? Because people are undercutting the floor and they undercut the floor by a whole lot, you know? And you're right. I say that all the time. I say it so much. I'm probably even tired of saying it. Um, I always say like, you know, if you're looking at one-on-one art, you put it in the best terms, right? In five years from now, if one of them actually does get really big, you won. But I think another issue is like a lot of people don't have patience um, because, yeah, again, the PFP flippers want to yeah. flip on a weekly yeah. time scale, not on a yearly time scale. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just a different mentality and it takes education and training on uh, that stuff. Just like if you're leverage trading, you probably shouldn't be leverage trading at 100x. People exactly. Start do and they get burned, and then they realize, like, wow, the slow three X is the way to go. Um, yeah. But, and I think that as this space matures, we'll see people slowly coming to terms with that idea. There's always going to be the people dropping five ETH on a random mint of some overhyped uh, project and getting burned. Uh, 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 and that's like, um, what's it called? Um, uh, Pixelmon. <laughs> Pixelmon. <laughs> Oh, poor Pixelmon. <laughs> I, you know, I say, like, I know some people that did, um, that did mint Pixelmon and I tell them, I'm like, I don't feel bad for you. <laughs> I was like, you know, I don't because how do you take a huge risk on something and someone that's never done anything before? You know, I mean, it's not a bad thing, but the five ETH or three ETH or whatever it was, it's, with no yeah, proven, yeah, no proven tracker, nothing, nothing in the space. Not like they've been in the space for a year, six months, nothing. That was, man, I want to know how he did it because. <laughs> you know, we all got to take our licks though. I've, I've done dumb things in crypto over five years for sure. Yeah, and, definitely. And that's part of it. Like the, the whole way to succeed in the crypto space is to just be stubborn. True. Like. Take Be stubborn, don't <laughs> over leverage, never, never put all your eggs in one basket. That way, yes. if Cryptomon bombs to zero, you still have some money to play the game. And only use money that you can afford to lose, right? Yep. Yeah. Some people I Absolutely. heard, I heard some people take loans or like, I'm like, how, why? No, no, no. That's not a, that's not a very good idea. Taking loans, um, to buy NFTs, you know? You got to be smart about this. <laughs> and Unless they're Cat Russell NFTs, then remortgage the house, baby. You're right. You heard that. <laughs> <laughs> Not financial advice. Don't say Tony told you to do it. <laughs> and Cat didn't ask you to do it either. <laughs> We're just saying, you know. <laughs> yeah, hypothetically, hypothetically. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> so, um, I will say, um, what is your happy? When I say what is your happy when you're in the NFT space and you're vibing and you're, here goes me and vibing again <laughs> and you're in your zen, what is it that has happened to put you in that space, uh, in the NFT space while you're in the NFT space? Um, on the artist side, like having people reach out and personally say that my art resonates with them is always like a make your day moment. Uh, because, you know, uh, we're all self-conscious and yeah. don't necessarily feel like sometimes, uh, it is impacting others and it's not until it gets shoved in your face of, no, this impacted me. Like, oh, awesome um that's a huge one mm -hmm. other than that uh you know i spend quite a bit of my days on discord and telegram and twitter just chatting with other artists and you know when they send me 
works in progress and they'll be like, Hey, can you critique this and tell me where I should adjust it and stuff? Like that's always an awesome feeling. Cause it, you know, everybody has imposter syndrome. Oh gosh. Uh, yes. <laughs> when somebody's reaching out to you that, especially if you admire their art and they're like, Hey, can you tell me how this is looking so far and give me advice? It's like, wait, I'm not an imposter. Like, <laughs> like I'm actually cool. I'm actually an artist in the space. Um, yeah, I feel you on that one. Like, me who, me? <laughs> you want my opinion? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's usually where I'm finding my happy. Um, otherwise, you know, I work a lot uh, in... That's mainly to keep busy because I, I definitely struggle with the idle hands or devil's play things issue. Uh, so if I'm not working for Block Party, I'm probably browsing Twitter and half working for Block Party <laughs> or chatting with artist friends or making art or jumping on a podcast or just trying <laughs> to be productive. Yes, the best part actually is jumping, not just any podcast, on my own podcast. Jumping on the podcast. The podcast, this one. <laughs> All right, so um, wait, hold on. So you said um, when somebody compliments you on your work, so that means I've totally made your day today, right? Because I did say I like your art. So did I make your day extra special? Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> You know, it's so funny that you mentioned Telegram. This is like side talk. Um, if I tell you that I have never used Telegram, would you believe me? Yes, because there's just this mental hurdle of having to do something new that I, I always fall prey to, where somebody will be like, oh, I don't use Zoom. I use Google Hangouts or Google oh, yeah. Meets. And it's like... <laughs> Well, I guess everything's falling apart and we can't chat then because I've never <laughs> used it. Um, and as I get older, I get more and more curmudgeon and stuck in my ways of, well, these are the apps that I use. So yeah. you have to interact with me there. It's so funny. I'm like, not surprised. I, I get like, you know, I even more recently, a friend of mine was like, oh, add me on Telegram. Let's talk. Um, in NFTs. Um, and I was like, okay, I downloaded it and I have not signed. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to sign up. And I told her, I was like, I'm working on signing up. I don't even know what, what, how it works. Like, what do they do there? <laughs> I looked at it, it looked kind of like a WhatsApp, but different. I don't know. Yeah, it like feels similar to like WhatsApp group chats at times. Um, but you know, one person can own it and can oh, pin stuff. Got it. So, it can so be like a like group a, chat. Yeah, it's a oh, group chat, okay, but it can okay. be specifically themed. So Art Gallery Auction House is one that I'm in a lot. And, uh, you know, there's a few private ones of just artist collectives that I hang out with that I'm yeah. in. Uh, it's just, you know, an easy way for me to pop on and just do mental health checks okay, of my I'm, six I'm to ten up. closest homies. I, it's it's dial, downloaded. I'm just going to sign up right now because I know there's like, it's like the, I know a lot of people use it for alpha and a lot of events and a lot of things that are um, going on or about to go on um, get spoken of in Telegram. Am I correct? And I always yeah. feel like I get the FOMO, like, am I missing something? For some reason, I just never... Like, I don't even know where to start, but I'm, so can you just join any group or there's some public groups or how does that work? Well, uh, the only groups I've really joined are groups that are specific to interests of mine. So if I'm invested in a certain altcoin and they have a group, so I yeah. can kind of follow the latest trends. Or if there's like artists that have a little private chat going on, I'll, I'll jump in their chats. Uh, like any app tool, it really just comes down to the more you invest yourself into it, the more success you'll find using it. Yeah. So if you just like, like Discord, for instance, if you download Discord and you jump on it once a month, you're probably not going to find it as a very useful app. You're probably going to be like, why do people use it? Do people actually get value from this? But yes. if you start being in it every day and digging up the best discords to be in for alpha or for hanging out with artists yeah. or for monitoring projects. 
then you'll find success doing those items. You know, I just signed up. <laughs> I, it took me a while to get used to Discord too, because Discord is so clumpy for me. And literally, I when I first started in NFTs, everybody's like Discord, 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 and I was like, oh, I hate this app. It's so clumpy. It's like, and I can't stand that noise. I still don't know how to turn it off on my computer. Um, on my phone, I've obviously figured it out. And on my iPad, I've figured it out. But on my computer, for some reason, unless I mute my computer completely, I'll just start hearing the and it's just like so annoying. <laughs> it's like so annoying. Um, but yeah, so you used to be an attorney. Yeah, I mean, I, I still technically am. Okay, nice. How, how, that, I'm curious, the transition from attorney to artist. Um, how did that happen? So I went to law school because at the height of the recession, I graduated as an English major and I couldn't find a job to save my life. Okay. And (laughs) somebody was like, take the LSAT. And I did. And they offered me a scholarship. So I was like, I guess I'm going to be an attorney now. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, you know, when I was in law school, I realized that that crowd is typically not the type of people that I hang out with. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of the professions within the legal field, I feel compromise morals and I could not work in. Yeah. Um, and then I got out and was doing regulatory healthcare law and administration. And uh, it just, it's very soul crushing. Um, I was working in end of life care and home health and hospice. And, uh, one of my main duties was fighting insurance denials that my patients would have on their medicines or on their care. And if I would fail those appeals, usually the patient would die. Oh, wow. Um, And so I did that for about seven years. And uh, I think that it gave me a lot of stress and hardship that resulted in me constantly going to drugs and alcohol as a crutch to compromise with. Um, And, So then from there, uh, I was running some surgery centers for a while and still feeling Mm -hmm. the same anxiety and difficulty dealing with insurances in America. Yeah. Um, So I guess, you know, at a certain point, I just said, you know, I'm sober now. I'm making art for fun. People seem to like the art let's just take the risk and go all in. So I have no regrets so that 10 years from now, I'm not still working a job, watching people die every day. Um, you know, if the art thing for me were to have failed, yeah, I could always go back and go into the death industry and be back in healthcare, doing healthcare compliance administration. Mm -hmm. But I was like, you know, let's just set aside some money, take the risk and see if we can improve our life into one that, you know, the stressors are less impactful in reality. So now when I'm sitting there and I'm like, I posted this piece and it didn't sell. And like, I start stressing about it. I'm able to kind of remind myself, like, is that really something to stress over? Yeah. Two years ago, you would mm-hmm. be stressing over the fact that you had three patients die this week and you've got to go to their funerals and you've got to ensure that they sue X, Y, and Z corps instead of suing our corporation. Yeah. And, or like, you know, the patient's family member was our employee and now that they're dead, you got to fire them. Like, oh, wow. That happened? Uh, yeah, that would happen quite a bit in home health because it'd be like, say your mom is sick and dying and you want to spend more time with her well, let's get you trained as a home health aide and then you can be the aide and get paid to care oh, for her. Oh, okay. But then after she dies, it's like, well, I don't really have work for you. Your mom's dead. Yeah. Oh, I wow. got to fire you now. Um, you know, I, I would make that very clear to the employee and explain to them that that's going to be the process. So they weren't surprised by it, but it's still just like not a fun day. Not a fun it. thing to do. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, So, you know, that is the nice thing about this career path I'm on now is that as stressful as it ever is, I can just kind of look back on my past life and be like, "Uh, in perspective, it's not that stressful. 
you're still just sitting in the house, cutting out paper and like petting your cats. <laughs> How many cats do you have? <laughs> I have two. Okay. You're the cat guy. <laughs> Always been a cat guy. I was going to, I was waiting for you to say you have like 15 cats or something all over the place. <laughs> I have like four strays that live outdoors. Oh, okay. Yeah. I used to have like two strays that come, I don't know. They just made a home in my yard and they left eventually though, but they were so cute. Um, but I'm allergic, so I can't even have one if I wanted one. Um, but yeah. <laughs> so, um, again, back to your, um, art, um, a lot of your stuff is handmade, obviously. Um, so I know there are people out there that do handmade art and wondering, or, and are wondering like, okay, if I make handmade art, how do I make them into NFTs? You want to share a little bit of your process, um, with them? Yeah, so all of my pieces are handmade, usually collage. Sometimes there's some acrylic or other aspects incorporated. And I, I think that it's important for a traditional artist to first figure out this idea of how can the NFT version of it make it a better version? Uh, what I mean by that is you, you want to have an answer when somebody comes at you with this idea of, well, it's just a JPEG of the physical piece of art, isn't it? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and like, cause that's not what you want to make. You don't want to say, Hey, I did this great painting on canvas. Here it is in JPEG form by the NFT instead. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, you know, there's many ways that NFTs can really build it out and make it better. Um, so for me, a lot of my collages are very tiny, you know, mm -hmm. five inches, six inches long, uh, because that's the size of the assets that I had found. So doing careful cuts and detail work, I can make the whole piece. But in my mind, I'm picturing this piece at the end of the day on a big screen. Yeah. And to me, this piece should be three foot by five foot or something like that. Um, so NFTs is perfect because I can work in the physical realm and not be constrained by this idea but, of how much will like a two inch long piece of art sell for? <laughs> well, it's not a two inch piece of art. It's a yeah. three foot piece of art. And I happened to make it in very tiny detail form first before I uploaded it. And when you convert it to digital, technically it can be a two feet piece of art. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, Additionally, uh, I've played around a lot with trying to figure out ways that you can incorporate an NFT to work in conjunction with your physical. Um, I had a piece with someone named Soundwaves Photon. Mm -hmm. And what we did was I collaged on a few pieces of plexiglass and layered them so that it looked very full of depth. Yeah. But in the plexiglass, I hid near field communication chips. And, hey, what? <laughs> uh, basically, like, you know, when you go to pay at the store and you take your credit card and you just like bump it against the yeah, thing. Yeah. And the tap and go. Yeah. That's an NFC chip. So I stuck those in the piece of art and then I mailed it to Soundwaves Photon and he programmed those so that when you point a phone camera at the physical piece of art, in the phone, you'll see the art move and it'll play sound. That is some wild stuff right there. <laughs> That's like um, another level of being creative. <laughs> so then, really you cool. know, we took all of that and we made the NFT. And so the NFT has a visualizer going on. It has his music playing. It has wow. my art. And it encompasses it all. And the physical owner of the real piece can experience parts of that, either just looking at the art on their wall or holding their phone up to phone it up, and hearing yeah. the sound and the visualizer. That's actually um, pretty cool. But the idea there really is that, you know, we can take NFTs and make them add something to what you're already making. And it expands your audience. It expands your experimentation in art. Yeah. Um, and it, it overall just for me is very beneficial. You know, I, I've pretty much from the start tried to focus all my art on being built around NFTs as well. 
So I love experimenting with those things. Um, you know, I have a piece that uh, somebody named Unorthofox owns. And in the piece, I had put a creature on this uh, pedestal, mm-hmm. and it's about to get sacrificed. And inside the creature, I collaged the private key to an Ethereum wallet. Oh, nice. And I put an NFT on that wallet. So if you want the NFT, you have to cut open the creature in the picture and pull the wallet out of its stomach. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, You're having too much fun, okay? <laughs> but, you know, like doing things like that, it gives the art purchaser an experience. Yeah. It, it gives you a reason to be playing in the NFT space as a physical artist. Yeah, yeah. And, um. I don't know. It's fun. And you stand out because you're doing something different. That that is fun. There was one I um had seen a little while ago, um, where the artist like I think the piece changes with your mood or some something like that, I can't remember. And I thought that was pretty cool too. I, I should do dynamic pieces. <laughs> yeah. So um, we are almost approaching the end of the show, but I don't want to let you go yet. I'm just having so much fun chatting with you. Um, I wanted to do, ask a question before you go, though. I'm like all over the place. Like, I'm going to ask this. I'm going to ask that. <laughs> and I just keep you here all day. But um, yeah, so you have been um, showcased at some very, very high um Hi, what should we call it? I want to say notable, but I don't want to use the word notable. I was going to say high class. I don't have much high class about me. <laughs> no, yes, stop. Um, art exhibition like um, Art Basel, um, Paris NFT, and oh, you're going to be in um, Southwest in Texas, uh, South by the Southwest in Texas um, this is it is it this month or no? Where what are we? We're in March, aren't we? Um, yes. Yeah, oh wait, it's this month. This Saturday. <laughs> yeah, uh, it I'll is, be yeah. showcasing at two events there. So, um, how has that process been? Um, I'm getting better at figuring out that process. Like everybody in this space, you know, we kind of just run around blind and try to figure things out. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I so know. When I first realized, like. <laughs> I think showing my art would be good. Uh, it was mm-hmm. right before NFT NYC. And I was like, I'm going to show there. And yeah. I couldn't figure out how to show there. Uh, I didn't have an agent at the time. Yeah. It was just me like deciding I'm going to do this. <laughs> I was reaching out blind to like various companies and not getting responses. You mean you were and being so- a Tony right now? <laughs> Well, so I just ended up taking a piece of art, sticking it in a picture frame, wearing a shirt that said security, and going into NFT NYC and hanging it on the wall. Wait, I what? Like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm going to show there. Like, You I didn't do that. Like, let's Did just you go do show. That? Yeah. What? Uh, and then I wrote here. on the back of the picture, if you steal this off the wall, you can have it. And... uh then I was posting online about it, and I was like, "If I'm brave enough to hang it, you can be brave enough to go steal it." <laughs> Somebody stole it. Oh wow! Do you know who took it? I don't. I asked him to reach out, but I never heard anything. But it was oh. off the wall the next day. And so maybe it was the um, NFT NYC team. Do you think? Yeah, maybe the NFT NYC <laughs> team was like, "This doesn't belong here." But um, wow. And NFT, you know, NYC, to, if you're listening and you took it, please let us know. <laughs> after that, uh, everything else I've shown at has actually been in a respectable way. That was uh, that's no, that was actually a dope move. <laughs> I don't, I don't think I have the guts to do something like that. Like I'm not that ballsy. <laughs> I figure the punishment's a lot less for hanging more art in a gallery than taking art from a gallery. From a gallery, right? Exactly. <laughs> like I'm just helping you out. You didn't have enough art up. <laughs> and then to think about wearing the security t-shirt. <laughs> and nobody stopped you like oh, hello you, would you just blend it in i had one person come up and they're like asking me what i was doing and i was like i'm hanging this art and they're like oh how did you get they're like how did that person get the show here and i was like oh no this is my art i'm just 
hanging it. <laughs> and they started just losing it because, like, they were asking me trying to get the alpha of, like, so how do I show it? And if, yeah, you know, it's like, I don't know, dude, you put on a security shirt and, like, you just make sure you hide the art in a briefcase. That's the trick. That is funny. Wow. I can't believe you did that. <laughs> That is funny. I, I would try it, but <laughs> I have like lots of red hair. I would stand out like a sore thumb. <laughs> I would stand out like a sore thumb. Like, yep, we've seen her before somewhere. <laughs> like, I don't think there's any security that works here with like big red hair. <laughs> I mean, at the end oh, of the man. day, though, like... <laughs> I wanted the show there, so I did. Yeah, you, um, exactly. Right? You should. Did you take any videos or pictures? Something. There's a couple <laughs> pictures of it posted on uh, Twitter. Oh wow! So you can actually say you were showing. <laughs> so, yeah, my first showing was at NFT NYC. <laughs> um, I'm gonna be laughing about this all day. <laughs> And you're not lying. It, was, it actually was. <laughs> wow, that is incredible. <laughs> it has been such a joy talking, <laughs> talking to you. Wow, let me, let me just hold on. Just give me a second. <laughs> I'm picturing you right now. <laughs> just <laughs> I wish somebody had followed you with a video camera. This would have made a great like viral moment. Like, wait, watch me. I'm going to get this done. <laughs> and we're going to leave this place. And it's going to be my friends showing <laughs> at NFT NYC. All right. Um, <laughs> before you leave, um, I would love for you to share um, some words with my listeners, um, artists. You know, I do have a lot of listeners that are artists. Um, that are looking to get into NFTs or they're uh, already artists in NFTs, I would appreciate if you would share some parting words with them. Sure. Um, let's see. At the end of the day, if you're going to be in this space, just be persistent. Um, don't hesitate to reach out, but don't go like clamoring to people asking them to promote your stuff. Just mm -hmm. kind of reach out and interact naturally. It, I mean, that's like the best way to really build yourself in this space is uh, the people that I now associate the most with, it's because I see them constantly championing other artists. And uh, in addition to them making good art in their free time, mm -hmm. I think what they're doing adds value to the space as a whole. You know, it's the artists that I see donating time and effort to uh, things like the Ukraine situation that was happening or mm -hmm. uh, donating to Colombia earlier this year or last year. And, you know, just taking efforts to say, I want to be part of this space. I want to make this space resonate with how I am as a human and what I want to see in the world. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're doing those things, I think you're doing it right you may not get the immediate recognition of, you know, going viral or selling out all your pieces and having a 20th floor, but mm -hmm. those things aren't really sustainable. Like going viral once and selling out everything once is cool. But I mean, long-term, you're not going to have that happen every month unless you're yeah. extremely lucky or you're the 1% of artists in the space. So just build where you can and like focus on building. Yes, I totally agree with you on that. Focus on building great advice. Um, thank you so much, Kat, for coming on the show. Thank you for the laughs. <laughs> I think <laughs> this is probably the most I have <laughs> laughed on the show in a while. Um, yes, and I think I'm going to try the whole security thing. <laughs> but I might not be the one to do it myself hire someone to try you don't have to be security though you just need to be someone allowed to carry a briefcase through the door oh wow all right i'm gonna take that into consideration and see if i can get away with it and document it well if you do be sure to share it with me i will uh, otherwise, you know it's been a pleasure uh, feel you. free to reach out anytime about anything. Yes, of I, course. I mean, that I goes will. for everybody. I'm one of the people in this space that my DMs are always open. I'm more than happy to sift through the 
trash projects that DM me because my DMs are open so that <laughs> if you want to reach out and have a real conversation, I am available. Awesome. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you and I appreciate your time. Absolutely. Um, all right. So that is going to be it for this particular episode of the NFT talk show. I hope you enjoyed every moment of that as much as I did. Again, do not forget to follow us on our socials, NFT Talk Show on Twitter, on Instagram, and I think we're on Facebook. <laughs> um, yes, as you know what it is, it is me, Tony Payne, and I will catch you on the blockchain. Bye.